Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Now we're not fibbing. I'm not lying to anybody. This is pre-recorded. I mean, let's be honest. Virginia Techs in Pittsburgh. The Bills are home. I'm on the road somewhere on my way to Orchard Park. We are back and we are joined this segment by Erie County Executive Mark Polencars. Mark, good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Joe. I, I hope you are celebrating a big Virginia Tech uh, victory, and we're on the road to a Bills uh, victory against the Steelers. I'll tell you, I, I feel I, I do feel good about beating Pittsburgh, but it's not Virginia Tech beating Pittsburgh, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mark, it, it, a good start to the week for all of us in Erie County with CWA 1168 and 1199 SEIU uh, coming to an agreement with Kaleida, avoiding a strike. How did this play out? Well, first off, I have to commend the leadership at Kaleida Health, Don Boyd, Mike Hughes, as well as CWA 1168, uh, Corey Gambini, Deb Hayes, and their team, and 1199 SEIU, uh, Jim Scordato, Peter Jesus, and their teams uh, for reaching a, a tentative agreement. This would have been very bad for our region if there was a strike with regards to the impact on healthcare delivery. We know what happened when the Mercy uh, nurses went on strike and how that impacted uh, Erie County, and it was one hospital. Think about what would have happened if Buffalo General, Oshai Children's, the Gates Vascular Institute, Millard Fillmore, DeGraff, and Niagara Falls all went on strike at one time. Uh, there was Our office was working behind the scenes with many others to uh, put in place what would be necessary to handle the movement of patients out of our area to Rochester, Pittsburgh, and Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, but thankfully we don't have to do that. So uh, I was talking with all the parties behind the scenes. Uh, they, they were close, we knew they were close, but they did the hard work. They, they basically did long nonstop negotiations uh, over the past weekend and were able to reach a tentative agreement, which uh, I know the union leaders were not gonna take to their members unless they felt it was a good one that they would ratify. So kudos to all of them. Uh, we would not have benefited from a strike. It may have resulted in uh, what unfortunately happened with Mercy and Catholic Health, where there's a lot of bad blood and issues that resolved with that. Uh, that's not going to happen because they were able to amicably reach an agreement, and uh, that is good for all of Western New York. Because if the Kaleida went down, if it had to shut down because of a strike, it would have impacted almost every healthcare facility across our community. Even to the point, uh, Kaleida Health does the laboratory work for many of the non-Kaleida entities in our region. 
So if you go to like a third-party doctor's office and they order, ask you to get labs, you might do it at a Kaleida facility. That would have been shut down. So it would have been a huge impact, and I'm glad they were able to resolve it and uh, we could avoid the strike. Now, speaking of negotiations, and I am aware that, you know, you can't say much, but the stadium, we know that its extension was uh, signed, this is, today is Tuesday, 34 days ago, so we're 11 days from the end of that 45-day extension. Again, I know we can't get into specifics, but have we made any progress in completing those negotiations by the 45 days, and if not, can that be extended again? Well, we certainly have made progress. There's discussions that have been going back and forth. Uh, I don't know if we'll get it done by the 15th, but I think all parties are working very hard to get it done as soon as possible. And if we have to go past the 15th, I think we can do that. I will note that one process that has not really been spoken about a lot in the media is the State Environmental Quality Review Act, the SECA review, which is on the environmental aspects associated with this. That is not going to get done until late November, early December. And we couldn't even vote on documents that have been approved. I couldn't send them over to the legislature until the Seeker Act is completed. So progress is being made. It's just a slow, slow uh, road because it's such a massive project. I remind everybody, back in 2012, when we completed the negotiations for the renovation of Ralph Wilson Stadium, and it was a $135 million deal, we finished them up at the end of December of 2012, but we didn't finalize all the documents and have everything in place until May of 2013, almost six months to the day from when we announced the MOU. And that was a $135 million project. This we're talking about a $1.4 billion construction project, not a renovation, but construction of a brand new facility. It's going to take a little more time, uh, but progress is being made. Uh, discussions are ongoing. Uh, drafts are being shared by the attorneys. Uh, we don't have all the terms agreed to, but progress is being made. And I feel that in the long run, we'll get it done, whether it's October 13th, 15th, 17th, or sometime thereafter. Good to hear. You know, I mean, hey, I'm looking forward to the new stadium, Mark, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy these last few seasons at, uh, at the stadium I have known my entire life. Yes, unless you are of a certain age, uh, probably in your... 60s or 70s, this has always been your stadium. I mean, they, we, the Bills moved to there in 1973, so unless you're probably in your late 60s or early 70s, 70s, you did not attend a game at the old Rock Pile War Memorial Stadium. This is the stadium we all know. This is where I went to my first football game, uh, and I look forward to, uh, to being at uh, many games uh, for the Bills, whether it's uh, the current facility for the next few years or when we finally uh, – give the keys to the to the team on a brand new facility and, and they're playing there for the next 30 years looking forward to everyone it can, yeah and i think everyone could be proud that we we worked very hard to to do that because as i we talked about having an nfl team is not a given for any community since we negotiated the last lease agreement san diego st louis and uh, oakland have all lost their teams and uh, that that is the that is the modern nfl and you got to be careful of it and uh, that's why we negotiated a deal that we thought was fair but kept our team in town so it wasn't the San Antonio Bills or the Orlando Bills. It'll be the Buffalo Bills through our lifetimes. 
Yeah, I, hey, that's one thing I think uh, all, all of us in Western New York got uh, got behind and um, and supported because you mentioned Oakland. Not only did they lose the Raiders, they're about to lose the Athletics as well. So uh, it shows how important uh, a stadium deal is. Uh, now, last week, the announcement of changes to the overtime rules. We talked about this with the comptroller, Kevin Hardwick. Uh, what will those changes look like compared to how they stand now? Well, under the federal... Fair Labor Standards Act, there's certain things that must be in place for a person to either be considered a salaried employee or an hourly employee. And currently, in Erie County, the only people, based on the way their jobs are described and they're paid, that are salaried are the elected officials. So my proposal is to change the uh, requirements and job, basically, specifications associated with 93 commissioners, deputy commissioners, policymakers across the spectrum of Erie County government that are appointed. These are not civil service positions. These are appointed positions by elected officials, myself, the sheriff, the district attorney, the legislators, and the clerk's office. So this would change them to salaried employees. They actually, uh, the vast majority of them would get an actual little increase of about 3% to their existing salary, but it would remove their ability to generate overtime. Uh, so they would no longer have to record their time under the Fair Labor Standards Act. If you're salaried, you, you get paid the same amount whether you work 20 hours or 60 hours a week. And so it would eliminate the requirement now that they have to swipe in and out and keep track of their time. Uh, and it would make them truly salaried and therefore uh, they would no longer qualify for overtime across the spectrum of these 93 positions. There's more positions that are managerial confidential positions that this would not apply to, and that's like secretaries and receptionists and and non-policymaking appointees uh, who generally aren't the ones that are are, are receiving overtime anyway. It's the managers, those who hire and fire, who are making the policy decisions for Erie County. So my proposal will go in with our 2023 budget, which we're sending over to the legislature next week. And if the legislature approves it, which I hope they will, uh, then effective January 1st of 2023, those 93 employees will now be categorized as salary and no longer will be eligible for overtime. So, Mark, with this going into effect or being proposed, do you think some of the criticism of people the last two years who were asking for this uh, went a little overboard? Well, one of the problems that we dealt with was the the criticism was leveled at particularly one individual, while there were other individuals in Erie County government who were actually making more overtime on an annual basis. And I think the other thing that has to be remembered is we have to follow the the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act. So we sat down with attorneys. It's not like I could just snap my fingers and change this. We sat down with attorneys. We sat down with uh, personnel specialists to say, okay, what do we need to do if we're to convert these individuals to salaried employees. And it's just not something that can happen overnight. It took a long time to basically get the information and get the standards set for these positions. Uh, I mean, criticism is criticism. I've never been one to shy from criticism. When you enter public service, you know immediately not everyone's going to like you (laughs) just because of whether you're a Democratic or Republican candidate. They automatically may not like you because of your political affiliation. But we went through the worst 
global pandemic that this world has seen in 100 years. The whole world shut down. Uh, the initial numbers were just so scary about how many Erie County residents would die as a result of the pandemic. Nearly 3,000 have died as of last week. It's not anywhere near what the initial estimates were. So we took actions. We shut down uh, like the rest of the world shut down. But that didn't mean that county government stopped. There were people who were working exceptionally hard, 16, 18-hour workdays, to protect the public. And it was unfair uh, that those individuals were would, would be working all those hours but not necessarily being paid for it. But we're changing it now. The, the pandemic is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Even if we have a snowstorm, snowstorms maybe we shut down and, we're sh and the worst one in 2014, it was a week. It wasn't something that dragged on for a long time. So I, I feel comfortable with the proposal that we have. Uh, criticism is expected in this business and uh, I'll just say that I'm very glad that Comptroller Hardwick supports this, and it seems like a lot of the legislators are in support of it. So I'm hopeful that when the budget is approved in December, it is included in it. One more question on the overtime. Uh, sheriff John Garcia uh, issued some concern over this. Have you talked with the sheriff? Yes, actually, I did talk to the sheriff uh, on September 19th uh, about this. I informed him of my plan. Uh, he seemed amenable at that time. I know he spoke to his uh, high-ranking officials because Under Sheriff Cooley and I, as well as uh, uh, Chief Greenan, spoke about it later that night because that happened to be the home opener against Tennessee, and we were all working the game together. So I, I, he is aware of it. I mean, I have to remind everybody, there's a lot of jobs that are 24-7. I mean, my job's 24-7. The, the head of emergency services, the deputy emergency services, 24-7. Uh, the head of social services is 24-7. If there's a problem uh, that our social services needs to handle, they, they need to do it at all hours of the day, 365 days of the year. Same thing with probation, central police services. So the sheriff's office is really no different than the rest of county government. We are all 24-hour, seven days a week, 365 days a year on the clock, so to speak. Uh, and uh, where this would not affect the lower level deputies, the ones that are out on the road patrol or working in uh, uh, the, the jails or correctional facilities. This is only the higher management. And, and they're not responding to auto accidents. They're not responding to, uh, to some of these issues that the road deputies would be dealing with. They do respond in emergency situations, but so do so, do so many other people in county government. And we just think they should all be treated the same. Mark, that, that overtime proposal also coming up is your budget proposal. Anything we should be looking forward to when that is submitted? Well, it, it, we are proposing a budget, which is uh, fiscally conservative, as we always do. It is one that uh, doesn't have a whole lot of bells and whistles in it. Uh, but as I previously announced, uh, we will be reducing the property tax rate and substantially uh, it's one of the largest property tax rate cuts that Erie County has seen probably in nearly 30, 40 years. Uh, and that's to uh, ensure that we're meeting our, our, our needs for our community while still staying under the New York State imposed tax cap. Uh, that If we went over the tax cap, that has significant ramifications on aid that New York State would provide to Erie County. So I'm proud to say that while it doesn't have a tremendous amount of bells and whistles, it continues county government services as they have been, uh, we've been able to deliver it with what's going to be a significant tax uh, uh, cut, which I'll be announcing uh, next week. 
And then there's also uh, some additional investments in areas of public safety and law enforcement. We, as I've already told Sheriff uh, Garcia, we're adding positions to the Sheriff's Road Patrol. We're adding positions at the correctional facility and the jail and holding center so that they can eliminate some of the overtime problems they have with the regular deputies. Uh, we're investing in our district attorney's office with new positions uh, to ensure that uh, people are being brought to justice in, in an appropriate manner of time. So you're going to see investments in public safety. You're going to see our usual investments and with it a, a property tax cut rate that I think the people of Erie County will be very appreciative of at a time when we know uh, inflation is out there and, and having an impact on families across our community. That is part one of our interview with the county executive, Mark Polencars. When we come back after the bottom of the hour news, part two of our interview with county executive Mark Polencars. It is Hardline on a Sunday here on News Radio 930 WBEN. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.